What's up? Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups, downs, ins, and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. Of course, we want to thank our amazing sponsors, Valley Contacts, who have made this podcast possible. They are makers of stellar gas permeable contact lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom-stable scleral lens. I am on the East Coast. My name is Dr. James Diem, and I am joined by Dr. Raya Habibi. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who the better? (laughs) Dr. Raya Habibi on the West Coast. Raya, I can't talk, but what is up? Happy Canada Day. What? Happy Canada Day. And you know what? They are still celebrating and probably will be forever. Because of those Toronto Raptors that brought home the NBA yeah. victory about a month or so ago. Yep. What do you think about that? I guess you Bravo. are a little sore about that, right? You know, I do love the Golden State Warriors, but I always love a good, uh, I don't know, would you call it a Cinderella underdog, story? Underdog, uh, story, whatever. Yeah. I mean, anytime anybody from Canada wins, it's an underdog story <laughs> as far as I'm <laughs> right. concerned. Sorry, um, our Canadian friends. Happy friends. Canada Day. You probably apologize for me saying that to you. Whatever right? so, that is. Yeah. And also, soon to be 4th of July, my personal favorite holiday of the year. I think I've already told everyone that, but it's just such a good holiday. So what a good day to celebrate. Fourth Great of July. Great week. Exactly. A good week oh we God. have and on our hands. So it's 4th uh, of July is on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So this presents some interesting work things, right? So, right. you know, do are you guys off on the fourth? For so we're off on the fourth. Yes, we are. How patriotic, patriotic of you! Are you going to go back on Friday too? So this is the question. All the other doctors I didn't know took off on the fifth, and so my staff is like, you know, what's going on? You know, here we're going to be here, and nobody else is going to be here, and what's you know. So they're giving me a hard time. So now I'm like strongly considering, yeah, taking off for for uh, for the for the fifth here. So we we, we what are, a trial. Yeah, yeah, but it's in a couple of days, so I don't think we're gonna take off. <laughs> so anyway, what well, are you doing? Are you taking off? You on? What are you doing? I am only fifth? off on Thursday. Yeah, I'm it's working on like Friday. A fake out, right? I mean, got a lot of time off. Exactly. People are going to hurt their eyes on Thursday, so we got to be there to save the day. <laughs> oh, my God. So many fireworks. and So and many fireworks. And it's hard to believe it's officially-ish halfway through the year. We're almost at 2020, which is why we named this 20 Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We'll go into why soon because it's going to be a beautiful episode. But we have some fun gossip to share first. So yeah. in the in the setting of starting off the the half year in a fun manner i just found out that mel b our scary spice scary spice is that scary spice yeah absolutely she posted on instagram recently that she had a terrible blinding experience where her left eye went blurry or right eye went essentially blind because she was diagnosed with uveitis in one eye and iritis in the other she Very landed in the hospital. <laughs> right. And unique conditions right. that affect each eye differently. She spelled both of them out. I was really impressed. She was in the hospital, and she's on a ton of medications for the next three to four wow. months, she says. Whoa. 
Um, it, is, it is possible, right? Yeah. I mean, it, is, it is definitely possible. She's looking for an eye patch. Wants to know if anyone other than Madonna knows where one is. <laughs> Which is a <laughs> legitimate right? question because what uh, do you tell patients when they want an eye patch? What I want to know is does the uveitic eye or the, the iritis eye need the eye patch is what I want to know. I could tell you that. I don't know. I could tell you that. Her right eye in this picture has it. I don't and see the picture. That's why. I do. And that's the one with the iritis. The left eye has uveitis. We didn't talk about this, but I'm the king of not telling you what I want to talk about and then talking about it. So um, I actually have a patient that I want to ask you about real quick. So Yes, let's hear it. I had a patient come in with a traumatic uveitis. And okay. they, you know had a foreign body foreign body was uh, removed it was not penetrating and um just a light sensitive irritated eye anyway cycloplegied um actually got him homatropine which turned into atropine because the pharmacy didn't have homatropine maybe didn't need that but he was he was quite light sensitive and you know steroid and so on and so forth. Your normal, what we call the PCO base management, an anti-inflammatory, anti-infective, and a cycloplege. That's what, I don't know how often you do that, but he was quite yep. light sensitive. So anyway, we did that. So anyway, I saw him back a couple times and he's getting better and um, he's he's back to nor- no no cells. Cornea is basically healed. He's a contact lens where his eyes completely dilated. And so, you know, using atropine once or twice a day, it could take what a week to two weeks could for take that a while. to go down. What do you think? Definitely. I mean, I guess I don't ever prescribe atropine. Um, this guy is a month out and he's still dilated. Whoa. I mean, he could have had some like damage to his iris. Why would it stay dilated though? I don't know. This is a, this is a, I'm going to fill you. I'm going to, when I figure it out, I'm going to let you know. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can have some uh, feedback for me on the website, but you know, hopefully Mel B, you know, is, is, uh, not getting the atropine. (laughs) I know. We'll find out. Going back to Mel B here. Anyway, what else you got for me? Well, Another semi-racy comment to come, uh, I guess, chat about. On June 10th, there was an article on MarketWatch. Nova-based stock more than triples after Avanova made available on Amazon without prescription. I wonder what their stock is. I could tell you, but is it? What is it? Right now, so its shares are now a 5.42%. A dollar seventy-five, yeah. So, but if you had a, a ton of stock in it, yeah, it could have could have been something. But yeah, still still pretty inexpensive stock. But yeah, very regardless. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I so just FYI, you can get it for thirty bucks, twenty nine ninety nine on Amazon with free one day shipping. At least Were in you Seattle, it on uh, in your office, we do sell it in our office, and we still do actually. And I actually am a big believer in Avanova. I do love the product. It's a clean product. There's no bleach byproduct at all, which I really do believe in providing and recommending the best option available to patients. So I find, regardless, I want to recommend the best thing that I think is available in the market. And I do believe that Avanova's quality is the best, or was at least. There are other things that are competitive now. But it has been such a nightmare dealing with it 
through insurance. And it's really in, kind of surprising to me that I didn't hear anything from my rep before I heard about it being available on Amazon. Do you still have a rep? I sure do, actually. She brings we me don't. samples still, which is interesting. They went we through really a little don't. transition up and down, yeah. but... A couple times, yeah. But and they did the finagling with the world. We're going to sell you this bottle, and then we're only going to sell you that bottle, and then yes. we're going to have this, you know, cap and all this kind yes. of stuff. And we were buying it for a while, and we might even have some still floating around the office. But we we totally canned them now. We're not we're not dealing with them. We we've gotten there were a else, struggle so. to deal with. I was upset with them for a little while. I mean, I still like the product, but it looks like they sell a twenty ml bottle for thirty bucks. Used to be 40, now I believe it's all 20, but either way. So just a nice yeah, little gossip I mean, for everyone available. And honestly, uh, I think it's a good thing for patients if they can get it more easily, great. But um, but yeah, available on Amazon now. So no more no more prior auths needed, no more $300 uh, <laughs> prescription necessary, which is great. Yeah. Don't you have some updates for us too? Yeah, you know, pretty cool. Um, what do you think of when you hear, Brolo? cool <laughs> you think that's pretty cool huh i mean it's decent. me too so brolo is the new nickname for brolucizumab yes it's brolo so brolucizumab is the newest of the anti-vegf uh, injections to hit the block and uh you know they have the coolest study names it's All a tiny tim anti- right oh my goodness they're so good so hawk and harrier they're they're like the coolest people whoever comes up with the names for the studies are definitely like that is a job i think they probably just go out after they know what their study is and all get like pretty tipsy and just come up with like what do they call anagram what do they call when it's the letters that say a word yeah that whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is you're right so yeah the the hawk and harrier phase three multi-center randomized double mass trials of brolo for neovascular age-related macular degeneration it is not brolo just so you know it's brolicizumab and so anyway this study was just completed and um it was uh put into the american academy of ophthalmology's um uh research here and into their uh um uh periodical so the studies are out and pretty impressive outcomes and the bottom line is take home is what you're going to be hearing from your retina specialist and what you need to know is that it was non-inferior to ilia number one Number two, its uh, duration of injection efficacy was longer. And number three, uh, there was a potential improved uh, retinal central subfield thickness in comparison to ILEA at the same time point. So what does that mean? It means that it's potentially superior. Um, and I think we heard this similar song and dance when ILEA came, pa- came out in comparison to Avastin. So... We're moving on. Or, I, I mean, um, not Avastin. Lucentis. Lucentis, yeah. So um, what does your retina specialist use? I know that we have all of them. Everything. Yep. Yeah. We use all, all the of things, them. All yeah, the it depends, I think, too, on patient's insurance, how often they're getting injections, yep. things of that nature. Because costs a lot of money and insurance doesn't pay that much so yeah and you know it's interesting these um injection companies whether you all know about this or not actually do quite a bit of 
you know, different marketing techniques and tactics that they'll do, you know, different ways that the physician could uh, benefit from utilizing various medicines and, you know, from, from a bulk purchase standpoint to sort of give them some incentive. So it's just interesting, you know, knowing totally about great. that. It, and so there's some different things, you know, it'd be interesting to talk about that uh, on a podcast. Maybe we'll do that coming up now that we have this new one coming out. What else? What else? What other good news do you have for us? I think that kind of, that hits a lot of the, the common things. Tonight's, yeah. tonight's episode is kind of a fun one. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk with somebody soon, so don't want to give that away. But right. we sort of are on the idea of 20 beautiful and entertainment and kind of things in the field of optometry, but not necessarily clinical optometry, right? So right. Um, just to name a few before we go into our lead star that at least I enjoy looking at when it comes to the arts of optometry. But um, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen it, but Scott Lee, an optometrist, he has sight gags, a cartoon which is quite enjoyable and comical um also on instagram i started following she's not only eye stuff but caitlin walsh with lynn road art has these abstract anatomy artists i've been following her for like two years she's pretty cool um eye scribbles is another uh instagram feed that you should check out that has some eye related or optometry related hand-drawn uh, signs and things of that nature. So check that out if you're interested in looking at different artwork to have in your office. But let me give you the mic, Jimmy, on introducing our our topic. Well, I will say, just as a disclaimer, this guy is a superman in so many different ways. But just as a disclaimer, of course, he, he's not a spokesman for the Navy uh, or any other official governmental agency. So all of the things that he shares with us here tonight are his own views and uh, should not be uh, in any way misconstrued. Uh, for an official statement uh, from the United States government, <laughs> so as 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 jokingly as that sounds, I'm I'm dead serious. Um, <laughs> so without further ado, let's jump right in. The topic of tonight, we are overjoyed to have a mover and a shaker in our field. I honestly believe that he could have done pretty much anything at the point in his life that he decided to undertake optometry school, and I am really happy and honored to call him a colleague. I remember being at optometry school and and running into him. Uh, I was uh, just finishing up school, and um, I, I, I don't remember what it was that we were talking about, but I just had a real strong feeling about him and uh, just just a you just get a vibe about people and aura about them and he definitely carries that with him real quick I'm gonna go through a little bit of his background Jonathan Dr. J, as he is lovingly called by his patients, I like that, uh, attended the United States Naval Academy from 1999-2003, graduating with distinction. That means in the top 5% of his class. Pretty impressive. He went on to complete a master's degree in English from the University of Maine. He's a Mainer. Uh, from 2003 to 2013, he served as a naval officer in various capacities, including naval flight officer where he was a mission commander and tactical coordinator in an Orion aircraft. He completed multiple deployments in the Middle East, Europe, and Central America. If that wasn't enough, he then entered the Pennsylvania College of Optometry at Salis University What what? and graduated in 2017 and currently serves as... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that you're, you're a captain, right? 
Uh, no, that, a lieutenant. A lieutenant. Okay. Yep. I don't. I didn't know how that works. That's so, the equivalent rank. A captain in an army or air force or marine corps. Those are equivalent ranks. And a navy captain is much higher ranking than I am. So. Okay, so a lieutenant, which also kicks lieutenant. ass, um, <laughs> and and in the, in the navy, and and it, does that are you in the medical corps now? Is that how that works? Yep, medical service corps. In the medical service corps, as an optometrist stationed yes. in New London, Connecticut. Yes. Or Connecticut. Yeah, however you want to say it. <laughs> however you'd like to say it. So I just first of all, I don't. A you full know, I, I'd a like full to... name intro would be appropriate. Oh, doctor. Yes. <laughs> doctor. Doctor J. That wasn't good enough. I mean, to some of our listeners may know Dr. J, but Dr. Jonathan DeSesco, yes. welcome. Yes. Nailed it. Nice job. Appreciate <laughs> that's it. a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> it is Coming a from bit Roya tough. Habibi, that's like basically easiest, <laughs> easy as it can. Listen, I've always wanted to ask this of a service member. So, you know, I think as a, you know, not worthy individual like myself who who is truly grateful for people putting their lives on the line and going, going into, you know, fighting for our nation, protecting us. I do feel a compelling feeling to say thank you and, and to, to really, you know, show that gratitude in whatever way I can. How does that feel? Do you feel awkward when people do that? Do you feel grateful when people do that? Like, what is the feeling you get when people say thank you for your service? Cause people, people do say that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely get that. Yeah. It's uh it depends on the situation or the context, you know, most times I just say thank you. You know, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, one time I had a little kid, I was in my uniform, he came up and asked me for my autograph. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, that's pretty cool. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, certainly get used to it. I mean, there's so many veterans and serving military members now with, you know, the current state of, uh, you know, just needing people in the service. So um, yeah, it's certainly an honor. It's just a, a pleasure. And honestly, when I was in optometry school, knowing I'd go back into the Navy, um, people were like, oh, we, you got to go back in. I was like, no, I, I get to go back in. I was looking forward to it. So cool. uh, it's certainly a job that uh, I enjoy. Did, awesome. I mean, this is kind of like, I don't know if it's controversial at all, but do you do you ever say, no, you're not? Kind of like when no, someone in the South no, is like, grateful. No, bless you're not grateful. No, you're not saying that. Like, I mean, I don't know. Can you Are you allowed to say that? Like, I mean, can no, you ever that feel not, that, that way? That would not be uh, kosher. <laughs> no, okay, I didn't think so. All right, fine. So, All right. All right, anyway, on to the next yeah. topic. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, I, Roy, anything that you'd like to hit on there with the his past? I mean, it's chock full of goodies. Thank you, dude. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah, and she means it. So, um, you know, can can we just? I mean, I know it's always cliche when we're doing these interv- interview style type uh, podcasts, but can you give us just you know the the Reader's Digest, if you don't ma- mind, on on joining the military? I think it is not a thing that you know many of young people are you know looking right. to do. Right. Yeah. Um... One of the things I really enjoy about it is you meet people from literally all over the country and from all over the world. And to me, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, you know, traveled a little bit. My parents were school teachers, so we took okay. summer vacations. So still just getting to know people from all walks of life, you know, every part of the country. I think that's really just you know, broadened my horizons and developing me as a person. Uh, I think that's been the most influential. Um, it's really about, you know, working alongside people who care about the job, care about the mission. Um, I think so. there's a lot of uh, parallels to being in eye care as well. Uh, certainly, like every little eye care practice is its own little squad or its own little team. You know, every there's 
kind of an implicit rank structure. Sure. Uh, you know, everyone has a job. There's a coordination. And when things are humming along, going well, you're, you're getting that mission done. You know, it's, I think, very much the same feeling. You're kind of in the trenches together. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone listening to this, you know, if they're in ICAR, they can kind of relate to some degree, you know, even if they don't wear a uniform. But even then, maybe they do wear kind of like their practice uniform if they have scrubs or something like polo shirts they have to wear. I love how you're trying to make us all feel like we're important. Here. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. very, that's really, really kind of you. Slightly but we all know less it's not dangerous. True. Except anyway. maybe getting sued. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so. All right, you kind of wove into what you just said, what I was going to ask next, and that is, how did optometry become a a potential next step in your career? Okay, yeah, great question. I uh, was going in for an annual flight physical, and they found a heart murmur. So as an aviator, you get you know pretty closely tracked medically, and at that point, I didn't know how serious it was. Um, so I was med down from flying for about four or five months, um, thinking like, hey, what else can I do? I had a Bachelor of Science in English from the Naval Academy, or as I like to say, a BS in BS. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I got a lot of science credits, and I was seeing all these doctors, and had an eye exam coincidentally around that same time. I was like, hey, that looks like a pretty good gig. Okay. If this flying thing doesn't work out, maybe I can switch over to there. And I looked at all the prerequisites that were necessary. Um, did end up getting a minor, you know, cardiac ablation done where, you know, that all got fixed. I went back to flying. But by that point, I was pretty much set. I said, I want to get into healthcare. Uh, and really, the big draw, even beyond just that, was kind of doing patient care where it's a thankful job. I know there's a lot of things in optometry that can be thankless, but to me, like just even if the, an exam is unremarkable, patient leaves with a new prescription and they say, hey, thanks, doc, you know, that's, that's a pretty good little psychic benefit you get every day. Um, it's true. So I think that helps a lot. People don't yeah. complain that much. At the end, right? right? Maybe you in the beginning, but most today? people Come leave on. happy. I didn't complain or sick. Right, yeah. Or you, you must remember the ones you complain the most. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So wait, I, I got to go back for just two seconds here, and I don't feel yep. like I knew this about you. So as a tactical coordinator in yep. the Orion aircraft, are you, I mean, and you're an aviator because you're part of that crew, Were you? are you right. into flying also? Like, were you... Nope, at so, yeah, not the pilot. Okay. Um, even Best way to say it, yeah, is like you know, if you've seen Top Gun, Tom Cruise was Maverick, he was the pilot, and then Goose, he was an NFO. So okay. we always say the NFO, your job is to sit in the back and crack jokes all the time, and that's mostly <laughs> what we do. But um, in specifically in that aircraft, you're kind of like backseat driving, maybe. What's that? Backseat driving a little bit. I, a I'd little be bit, good yeah, at absolutely, that. yeah. So, so I would say pilots are stick monkeys, and I'd say, hey. Come on this heading. We're going to go lay this buoy line. We're tracking submarines, for instance. They're doing some other mission. Get out. Um, I'm kind of directing where they're going, getting all these different crew members, making sure the sonar operator, the radar operator, they're all kind of doing the right thing at that time. Is flying something you think you'd get into? I mean, Ryan knows that I'm into aviation, so I I don't know if that's... Ah. Yeah, are you you thinking of flying at all? I could see down the road, you know, like in retirement, getting a private license. Just to, like, it'd be cool to just have your own plane and some far off future you know where i could afford that yeah um, yeah you know and just like yeah, yeah i'm gonna go up to montreal for the weekend and it's like instead of an eight hour car ride it's yeah hour flight it's not that Boom. far away bro it's, right. it's it's close you can you'll you'll be there before you know it 
So, I mean, we we could talk for days, and and I I really think that this first podcast that we're doing with you, Doctor J, is going to blossom into a beautiful relationship, and we'd love to have, uh, you know, <laughs> p- potentially, you know, some little feedbacks from you with you as time goes on, because I know you're just always coming up with new ideas, and so you hit me with this idea, and it's so cool because Roy and I were talking about this exact idea just the last time we were we were talking and I didn't even tell her I told her about you but I didn't say specifically what you wanted to talk about so I just want to share with everybody real quick what you told me you said I have an idea and and you know the idea is that you guys are talking about the optometric life and and so that's a lot more so you need an art and culture segment is what you said, like the entertainment section of a newspaper website. So it's like stepping back from the clinical side of optometry, which we cover a lot, but not always, and recognizing that vision isn't just about, and I love that you said this, a minimum angle of resolution. Thank you. That was very (laughs) Dr. Wormington-esque. But also it's about seeing what's beautiful in life. And wow, that it really hit me right, you know, between the eyes. And um, I think that that is something that we could all do better. And uh, in in that, I'm just going to take two seconds to say something that I think is kind of cool and uh, really speaks to what you said. Um, Because it's it's actually a fact that many very well-known artists throughout time have had vision, what we would classify as vision deficiencies. And I got this from a website that is not necessarily, you know, scientific. So you can take what it says as, as, uh, you know, with a grain of salt. So it says Mm -hmm. Leonardo da Vinci uh, potentially had intermittent exotropia. Edgar Mm -hmm. Degas had uh, some form of uh, inherited retinopathy, they they believe. Mm and I'm going to say this guy's name wrong, Gercino or Gercino. Do you, do you know who that is? G-U-E-R-C-N no. said he had esotropia. Um, uh, Renoir was a, a well-known uh, nearsighted individual, quite nearsighted. Uh, wow. Francis Bacon had dysmorphopsia. Uh, Claude Monet had uh, significant cataracts. Uh, George, the, he had the cataracts. George right. O'Keefe had macular degeneration, apparently. Rembrandt, uh, which uh, had some deficiency in his ability to see depth. Mary Cassatt had a diabetic retinopathy and cataract. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, that's kind of interesting in that, right. you know, here we are trying to improve people's vision when, you know, some of the individuals that are just totally <laughs> heralded as, as having a vision that is unparalleled yeah. um, had what we would classify as poor vision. So with that being said, I want to hear about your your other side, right? We know you're an awesome doctor. We know you've had a a heralded, um, uh, military career. I would like to hear about your creative process because you are just, your brain is just never stopping. Is it? I do get a lot of ideas. Yeah. It just, uh, (laughs) I kind of started about three or four years ago and just little side business or entrepreneurial ideas. Um, and they do kind of like spring forth from each other. You know, it's like a little domino effect in a sense. Um, do you sleep well at night? I do. Yeah. (laughs) Good, good. Well, listen, I, I think that you're far from alone. I, for some reason think that optometrists and I could remember being 
I was an optician before I went into optometry school in undergrad, mm-hmm. and I remember being with a doctor who was floating through the retail establishment that I was working on, and he was just going on and on and on about how he had this idea for something to put on a phone to magnify it, and just you know, yep. just really wanting like researching ways to get this patent and all this kind of stuff. And I just time after time talking to friends, I feel like optometry lends itself to discovery. And and uh, entrepreneurial spirit. So, you know, I, I maybe feel it's like because we have that vision. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. So so I want to hear from you since you have gone through that, are going through that, and and I'd like to hear more specifically about you know how you are taking your passions of of the arts and your entrepreneurial spirit and, and integrating that. So tell me a little bit about, so let's, let's just say that we have people listening that have ideas yep. and they'd like to somehow harness those ideas. It's very tough, right? Cause we are, Absolutely. we're, yep. we're professionals. We're working, we have a full-time job families. So how yep. do you not say, you know what? That's so pie in the sky. That's, you know, shark tank type stuff. I'm going to, yeah. you know, just leave that alone for those guys that have everything to lose or, or nothing to lose where yep. I can't do that. So how can, how yep. do you foresee, how do you harness it and how have you made yourself to now where you're at? Right. Well, I think um, I've been doing a lot of reading the past few years about startup methodology. There's a book called The Lean Startup. Uh, that's a really good one. Another one is All In Startup. And it, what these talk about is kind of how the thinking used to be in business generally or in an innovation or development they would say you know build it and they will come like companies would come up with these huge grandiose plans you know big marketing strategies and think they can just throw all kind of money at this and then they launch it and it's a flop so now you know with uh, a lot of things like that have been enabled through the internet uh, it's a lot easier to make smaller versions of things and just test out an idea so um even things like you know online forums, ODs on Facebook, you can go in there and put an, an idea out there and just see what, how people respond. You know, do do they like it? Do they ask questions? Does it elicit any kind of feedback or response? And if there's crickets, then it's like okay, this isn't interesting to people. Whether it's an invention or some concept for a new system that you have, so that's a great you know just asking other people. What if you're afraid who, people are going to steal your idea? Like, is that ever something yes, that you felt? Yeah, like, that's that. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, so you kind of have to maybe beat around the bushes. Um, <laughs> so you know, and let's say so, I had this idea, just just hypothetically. <laughs> right, right. I think a big um, thing too is knowing who to trust, right? Because you still true. do you you have mentors, and you'd hope a mentor wouldn't cross that line. But true. Yep. I think yeah, getting friends, good it, advice is important, of even with the true idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I think on that point, a good way to approach it is if you do want some kind of feedback is you ask a more broad, uh, not leading question, like asking for people their pain points. Like if you just go in these forums and see what people complain about, that's how you know what they're looking for solutions to. And then let that just kind of jog your mind and think like, hey, how can I help this one doc? Maybe there's 10 other docs. Maybe there's 10,000 other doctors who have this problem that you know, maybe if you come up with a solution, then it's a, it's viable, you know, side business or main business. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've done a lot of self 
research, self-guided research. You've used yep. your background and passion. And so tell us a little bit about your ventures. What what have you, I mean, you've been practicing now for a couple years. A couple years, yeah. Yep. And yep. you've already had a couple, I would say, successful ventures. So tell us a little bit about them. Right. So um, the one I've you know launched most recently as of three hours ago was uh, this Ishi Prince idea. So um, the gist of this is that you can now order custom Ishihara, Ishihara style art prints. Uh, it's worth noting that these are not uh, medical testing, you know, prints. It's not like you can <laughs> bring someone in and you actually find their deuteranopia or whatever. It's uh, really it's <laughs> like a sense of novelty. It's um, something I thought for years, like, man, it would be really cool to do this. And it actually started with another project, my book of opto poetry. Um, I was doing one of the images for that, just using a circle tool to hand draw probably three or four hundred of these tiny little circles, and you know, recreating in black and white a sort of like an Ishihara type image. I was like, man, isn't there a place where I could just go online and get this done? Yeah. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been kind of like just chewing on that idea and uh now it's officially launched so love it awesome well we're gonna we're gonna link that to our site um make sure people can go check it out and not use it in clinic but use it in their Uh, exam lanes and so many different things you could do with that i mean you get people gifts and like uh, birthday cards or you know i i think one idea that i read on your website which is actually i think a really great idea is you could make your own um logos and you know just tons of tons of really and i mean we love eye related (laughs) stuff so ishihara everything hell yeah you know it's nice. everything so yeah i i'm gonna definitely be supporting your um your website and and you're doing a kickstarter can you tell us a little yes. bit i think people here yeah tell us a little bit about yeah. kickstarter yeah so this is my second one the other one i did is a different crowdfunding like? website for the opto poetry book um but it's a similar process you know where again you kind of get an idea and kind of what we were already talking about these crowdfunding campaigns are the perfect way to market test, does my idea have any legs? You know, because if you can get it to where you put the idea out there, you're basically getting pre-orders uh, of whatever it is you're trying to create. And if enough people back it to where you get the money to get the pe- uh, you know, get any kind of legal protection or to uh, produce it, to make a prototype uh, or go into a production run, then that's a great way to say, yeah, this is something that people want. Um, so... With that, both of these sites, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, you definitely have to read the rules really closely because you don't want to come up with some vision of what you think that campaign will look like with certain certain, uh, images or rewards that you have. And then you go to the approval process and then like, oh, that's not allowed. You know, they're going to take a a fairly close look at that. Um, And they say this all on their website, you know, before you start the process, read through all the rules, make sure everything that you plan to do is okay. Overall, though, it's not that hard. I mean, you do kind of want to take some time with, you know, making a nice arrangement of, uh, you know, what's available for these various backer rewards. I certainly put a lot of time to that for the Ishii Prince one, where there's, I think the cheapest one is around 20 bucks, ranging up to $100, you know, with every level in between. So if people are interested in this, you know, they don't have to commit to that very highest level, and that's it, you know. 
Cool. Yeah, no, I I read through it. I was like, damn, this this was uh, took some time to come yeah. up with this and figure it out. Yeah. So how it works is then you have a dollar amount that you've come up with, and and if you reach out a dollar reach that dollar amount, then the people that help support you to get there, whatever mm-hmm. dollar amount they gave links to a package, if you will, or, or yes. certain benefits. And yep. so you don't they don't realize those benefits until that dollar amount has been met for you to go into exactly. production. Okay. Yeah, and the idea is that the initial backers would tell their friends being like hey i really want to get this thing i want to see this made and they're going to spread that word and get okay. other people on board so okay that's, part that's of it. okay yeah. i always wondered how that worked and yep. you know what the process was that's very interesting so how yeah. did you come up with the numbers like how is there any guideline on that or is it just the figuring out for yourself like this is what's going to yeah. make it worth it to me Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into the logistics. I mean, um, the software development for the Ishi prints, you know, wasn't cheap, you know, it sure. was, uh, me working with a, a guy closely on that. Okay. Uh, did a lot of test print runs with a local printer. Uh, one of the tricks with that is, you know, we all are used to these high definition screens on our phones and computers, Right. but there's no printer in the world that can reproduce to that high level of color detail. So, there's a little bit of matching that has to kind of go on to see, okay, this is how it looks on the screen. looks great. Right. How does it actually print out? Um, so there's certainly costs involved with that. And then the final key part is thinking of actual production of these prints and the shipping of it. You know, that's right. always a, a kind of a wild card. You have to be prepared for like, or be ready if someone in Fiji orders a print and you're like, okay, it's going to cost <laughs> yeah. three times as much to mail it as it did to uh Can to you make say it, so. you're only going to mail to you know the continental united states or you can yeah yeah in this case the ishi prints it's available for worldwide shipping and that's the nice thing with these products the posters they're not that hard to ship but okay. if you're making something larger um yeah then it could be prohibitive to to send that anywhere very cool yeah so yeah. so kickstarter not too difficult if you have nope. an idea it's something you could go on research and put something like this together relatively easy would you say or yes you absolutely. did you yep. did opti or um indiegogo before is that what you said yep yeah for opti poetry how would you say they compare uh very similar i don't know if indiegogo has changed their website at all um they allowed charitable contributions to be included in that and i had some of that in the other campaign so okay. that's why i wanted to go with them okay and um yeah, they're, they're honestly very similar. They, they enable you to do videos, pictures, updates, contacting all the backers via email. So Yeah, your video with this was very good. Very well done. Thanks. I, I really, really, Thanks. really thought it was good. So tell yeah. us, do you mind just telling us a little bit about OptoPoetry as sure. well? So when did yeah. it start? Where did it come from? Yeah, yeah. Um, going way back, it was like first year of optometry school. We had a day off from... Uh, due to a blizzard and I wrote some funny little poem that was kind of uh, styled off of like Shel Silverstein if you're familiar with you know, oh, where yeah. the sidewalk ends oh, love it so, I love um, the hippo hippopotamus yep, yep. oh so good <laughs> kind of makes nice. me sad that that one <laughs> anyway yeah um, so you know I uh, had sent out this poem to my classmates and people were like hey this is pretty funny you know and someone joked like hey so when's this uh, cute book of poems coming out and I was like oh Maybe that's an idea, you know. And, um, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I just you know, as I was in clinic for the next couple of years, I kind of slowly worked on it, and then I went to Vision Expo one year, I think during my third year, and I left there like honestly, like going to these 
conferences that was so like eye-opening no, no pun intended there but like getting out of yeah. you know just seeing the same stuff in clinic and school like seeing the big picture optometry that was a big it jazzes uh, you up right it puts absolutely a fire yeah in yeah yeah it, yeah i left there i was like you know what? i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna like you know once part one of boards is over really get into uh you know writing these poems doing yeah. the drawings getting some other students to help out with the drawings uh i was really happy with that how that turned out where i had i think eight different illustrators that i worked with um you know, kind of came together. I'm really happy with how that turned out. So yeah, it's been out for almost two and a half years now. Sold about 600 copies. Bravo! Um, That's yeah. Fantastic. Would yeah. you mind sharing a couple uh, passages yeah. with us? I I, yeah. I would love to hear one. And I think our our and first of all, I will tell everyone you can purchase this. It's available on Amazon and other yes. locations. What's the best place to get it? It is on Amazon. Just search for Opto Poetry. You can get it that way through Amazon Prime. If you remember, you get you know quick shipping. Um, and on, it's listed for twenty dollars and twenty cents. And if you get <laughs> 2020. that twenty twenty joke, then this book is totally for you. Ah, uh, so, nice. Let's hear I love it. it. Yeah. All right, I got a few here. They're pretty short. Um, good uh, range here. So uh, this first one's probably a good shout out to uh, the Valley Contact sponsor. It's called hey. Oh Good God I Lost My Contact Lens Again. Uh, nice. Oh, good God, I lost my contact lens again. I asked all my family and phoned all my friends to help me locate my lost contact lens. I assembled a lens finding committee to look in every little itty bitty contact lens hiding place in this city. When that search turned up nil, I set upon every hill contact lens lookouts of refined finding skill. I tasked 50 furry bloodhounds around with sniffing and snuffing every inch of the ground until my saline scented lens had been found. I hired nine private eyes to don clandestine disguise and serve as my secret contact lens spies. Then I had the bright notion to have the Navy put in motion a lens search and rescue effort across every ocean. I convinced NASA with a snappy one-liner to boot up the camera on the Mars Pathfinder and comb known constellations for contact lens minor. We found El Dorado, the Holy Grail, the city of Atlantis colonized by white whales next to Earhart's plane and Blackbeard sails. But the lens was lost that I couldn't deny. And just as I sighed a dejected sigh, I blinked a few times and felt something in my eye. <laughs> Love <laughs> it! Oh my God! And that was, that was written life. before that famous case of the woman who had like 27 oh contact God. lenses <laughs> hidden in her eye. So. That's so 25. good! Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yes! Yeah. So good! All right, yeah. you guys. And the, benefit of, yeah, and the benefit of sclerals is you can't lose a scleral lens like that, right? Can't do so. it. I'm <laughs> You'd be surprised. With another You'd one. be surprised. All right, next one. I was that first one. That's like pretty accessible. You know, any reader could get that. This is kind of written for you know, putting out in optometry waiting rooms. This next one, a uh, little bit shorter, and it has a joke in here that you'd probably only get if you're uh, an eye doctor working in the field. This is called in the auto refractor, and it's referring to those images you see in auto refractors, whether it's the hot air balloon <laughs> yeah. or the, uh, the little the little farmhouse. You know, yeah. I've always kind of wondered what life is like in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Feel free to shrink me down so I can live in the auto refractor. I'd maintain my refractive farmhouse while riding my refractive tractor. I'd tend refractive chickens and feed refracting cows, just not while patients look inside, so I don't re distract them from my house. You'd be welcome to stop and visit on your refraction land vacation, but you couldn't spend the night in here since I can't handle accommodation. <laughs> on weekends, I would travel in my refractive air balloon and float with my refractive friends to the refracting side of the moon. 
We'll get there sooner or later, is what we'd defiantly say, because the only problem in refraction land is that everything's so far away. Uh, I love it. Snaps to that. Yes. You, so you I got think you one, got the joke. You, you got, got one the more? Joke, right? I, oh, I yeah. lo- oh, God. Nice. I love it. Yep. I'm all over it. All right, next one. This is the graduate level opto poem. So nice. going to be a little uh, anatomy review here for uh, visual field defects. Ooh. Yeah. Who put this pie on the floor? Hmm. Who put this pie on the floor? Doesn't anyone clean up anymore? I nearly slipped in my bathrobe and came down hard on my parietal lobe. And who stuck this pie in the sky? Some neuro-ophthalmic prankster wise guy? This seems to me a crime almost federal, an insult to my lobe most temporal. And who constructed this chiasmal defect? Some nefarious oncologic architect? Doesn't he know a bitemporal hemianopia causes driving through intersections ophobia? And someone tell that guy Von Willebrand his route planning services just got canned. I wanted a straight path, not a deviation, into the contraoptic nerve and axonal aberration. And somebody tell Bajaram he left his scotoma somewhere just north of southeast Oklahoma. He can start at West Blindspot and then search around East Macula until his defect has been found. <laughs> Boom! Oh, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. You guys so need to get fun. this book. I'm buying it right now. I don't know why I haven't bought it already. What a jerk I am. Bad friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it. We're putting it, put one in the waiting room. And uh, it is a, 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 just a really beautiful thing. I think, you know, there's so many of us in this field that do really cool, beautiful things. And uh they could be related to optometry, could not be. And I think that's, you know, something we do need to focus on more. So you are starting this uh, arts and culture entertainment section of, of Try Not to Blink. So thank you nice. so much. We appreciate yeah. it. And uh, we will, if you don't mind, hit you back up for it uh, in the future. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Love so it. much fun, Beautiful. Jonathan. Thank you for spending your evening with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that about does it. Before we go, reach out to us for feedback, questions, stories, things you want us to talk about, either on our Instagram, Facebook, or call or text us, 920-350-8622. We can't depart without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, of course, for their amazing lenses, but also the great people they are to work with. And be sure to tune in and listen to our next episode. But until then, try not to blink.